Hey there, Wagoneers. This is listener Colleen. I'm calling in with a limerick that I wrote about Andrew Walsh, who is my third favorite person in the Pacific time zone. There once was a man from Ohio. He'll follow the rules or dio to get him to visit, play Wu-Tang explicit, and have pastrami in great supplyo. Rar. Hello, Wagoneers, and welcome to a very special Little Red Bandwagon. This is a Why Andrew Matters, episode number 94. We are celebrating his fourth anniversary of joining TBTL as a full-time co-host. Joining me today is Jeremy, because Mike's not here. I didn't have to do the introduction that he always does, and I gave Jeremy a microphone. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Christy. You really are the ice lady sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Mike steps away for 20 minutes and you flip the script. <laughs> Actually, you didn't even flip the script. You just deleted his script <laughs> I did. to the show opening. And I you're did. Just, uh, you're I going your the own theme way. Song. I ch- took away the, <laughs> the opening. Yeah. All right. Well, but th- you know what? We're not here to talk about Mike today. No. We're here to talk about Andrew. Yes. Mr. Andrew, Boom Boom, Hodor, Hollywood, Hollywood P94, <laughs> yeah. VB6, all of those. Walsh. PB6. PB, We're not allowed to say VB6 anymore, BB6, right? That's right. <laughs> it's just PB6. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> We're here to celebrate Andrew. Happy yes. birthday, Andrew. Yeah, we don't know his actual birthday, and so we'll just celebrate. Yeah. His TVTL birthday, it's, which... It's Andrew Day on the Little Red Bandwagon. So let's start off with the clip of Luke introducing Andrew as the new co-host. Start at the beginning. I like it. And this is uh, the second part of our little news. I would like to welcome to the show... You don't get a, a fan for edits full volume. That's okay. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. <laughs> you get it a little bit louder than that, though. Uh, we'd like to welcome producer Andrew, who is going to be uh, spending time uh, with TBTL now with Jen on her sojourn. And this is – I didn't want to do it, frankly, but this is in response to the overwhelming torrent of emails from people who said producer Andrew is uh, great and it's really fun when you're on the show. And I I have to say they were able to persuade me. Those emails from people like Landrew Walsh yes. and Bandrew <laughs> yeah. Walsh. Yeah. 322 <laughs> at – Hotmail. Um, so, Andrew, I don't want to put you on the hot seat because if we had a hot seat, it would be sponsored by Bud Light or something. <laughs> We'd be making some money on it like uh-huh. we were ESPN. But um, so but people who um, people who listen to TBTL a lot and have listened a lot lately have become familiar with your uh, with your work because you are the producer of the radio show that I work on. That's one is Ross and Burbank. And then also you have been putting together the TBTL weekend shows and you're just a friend of mine, and so um, anyway, is there anything else that people need to know about you? Is there any? I mean, like you, 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 you've worked in public radio for a long time. Yep, you're from devastatingly here. good looking. Yes, I lead with that. Yes, usually, absolutely. And the webcam, the webcam's off today. Yeah, so that's actually perfect. Huh. Funny how that works. All right, if we, I'll just do a little bit of commentary about that. We all saw it coming. He was guest hosting a lot. They worked together. He was the producer on the 
Dave Ross show, the Luke and Dave Ross show. So it just was a natural fit. Did 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 you listen to Luke and Dave Ross on the radio? Um, sometimes. Was there much? Did they fight very much? I feel like no, they would have two very. Yeah, they're both the same. Like they're both liberal. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I thought everybody on Cairo was like except Dave Ross. Oh, <laughs> but he, they, the only they had funny um, interaction because Dave is very religious, mm-hmm. Catholic, so he's not you know crazy but um so he was catholic and he was very fit and he didn't understand luke's always drinking and gambling so that was a kind of fun mm-hmm. dynamic it was sort of like dave ross was his dad mm. you know what would get me to start listening to the radio what uh if they if luke burbank and that jason rance guy <laughs> <laughs> did a show together oh man. i would listen to that Oh, yeah. That would be exciting, I think. I would get too mad. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, that was Andrew's uh, announcement. And had, yes. he, had he been on the show very much prior yes. to that? As just a guest. Okay. Kind of stuck his head in every once in a while yeah. or something. But he was producing it? Or he was producing the Cairo show? Yes, the Cairo okay. show. Okay. So they spent all morning together. Mm-hmm. And then Luke would go home to to do TBTL. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else do you have in store for us, Christy? Um, so P- I asked a few people to send in some submissions, their favorite segments, or to call in and say why Andrew mattered to them. And we got quite a few. We couldn't have all of them because the show would have been about 10 hours long. <laughs> so, so we picked out a few, and that's what we're going to do today. And how is this going to work? Well, we have so we have the, a, a few people just wrote in uh, because they didn't want to, <laughs> they didn't record. maybe want to record something or couldn't record something or whatever. So they just wrote in. So I think we're going to go through and read those. Right? We have yes. a couple of those that we're going to read, and then we'll play the clips and kind of set them up. But then we had a lot of people that recorded themselves and emailed it into us, and uh, so we'll um, we'll start with the ones that we're going to read, and then we'll play all the other ones and we'll kind of explain how it's going to happen but let's just uh let's start with the ones that we're reading first one oh this first one is from uh as you always seem to be so excited about yeah. pointing out your favorite jeremy my favorite jeremy which is jeremy hour hurtful <laughs> uh my favorite andrew moment is always when andrew clashes with luke on something he is passionate about I recently listened to the infamous Luke Thinks Voting Doesn't Matter episode and the first incarnation of One and a Half Men through the Archive Project. Ding. Ding. (laughs) Both times, Andrew stayed steadfast to his beliefs while remaining coherent in his attempt to convince Luke. This may be because my beliefs and Andrew's tend to line up, but I think it has to do with his ability to stay level-headed in the ever more reactionary culture which we live. Oh, got a little... Got a little preachy there towards the end, Jeremy. <laughs> so let's listen to that. This is this is this quickly became a very uh double sided people were constantly writing in because at the end he says, Why don't you guys write in and vote? Yeah. And then even now people are posting to the Stens page about how um Hillary won by one vote in multiple cities during the during the primaries. So 
Here it is. In most races, the chances that your vote will actually make the difference are infinitesimally small, right? This is the worst public service announcement ever. But who cares if people are fine with – let me explain why. And I, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm being kind of a downer right now. But I just feel like the chances that, that everybody going out and vote – I mean if everybody goes out and votes, the exact same thing happens as if nobody goes out and votes. Well, I mean, but listen, I also think that like well, that's I said, not true because if goes, nobody votes, I think maybe the election right. isn't valid. But let's say right, right. if 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 500 people vote and 500,000 people vote and if we assume that the 500 people are representative of a sample that if you extrapolate it out to 500,000, just be the same thing. Like it's just this idea that like we need every single person to go out and vote for this country to work is just untrue. I, I it works all but the time without people one voting. Part, but I think that voting is one part of the electoral process and part of that is like I say like okay maybe if people are totally uninformed you can make the argument then maybe uninformed people shouldn't vote but I think that voting is the culmination of if I were doing this PSA that you're doing which is you're telling people not to vote. I'm not I would telling say, people not to vote but let's let, let me clarify involved. let me, clar- just, let me clarify get, okay let me clarify i am not telling people not to vote i like voting if i would have been home if i would have woke, woken up this morning actually i don't know if in port townsend they do if you can go to a ballot location or if you just mail it in but if i would have got up this morning and i would have been in port townsend as opposed to portland where i got up this morning i i would have absolutely gone down to the school and cast a vote i i would have but I didn't, but I also don't feel terrible about not doing it. That's that's the difference between, between mm-hmm. uh, me and you. Yeah, I mean, I think that the you know you're saying if everybody votes or if nobody votes and it doesn't make that big of a, a deal. I I think though that voting, I think that let's let's say that starting um, tomorrow. Uh, people are like, you know, for me, it's like Christmas. I, I always screw up Christmas gifts. I always wait until way too late. And then I, it's always the day after Christmas. I say, starting now, I'm going to start thinking about good gifts for next year. And, of course, I never do. But let, let's just say that we're going to stick with it. And, and and people right now like me feel shitty for not voting today are going to say, you know what? Starting tomorrow, I'm just going to st- – start paying much more attention to the 2016 races and not just the presidential stuff. But as these issues emerge, I'm making I'm dedicating myself just to following it, not being obsessed with it, not to become a political junkie. We're all not political junkies. I'm not a political junkie, but just to make a little bit of an effort to say, okay, you know, I'm just going to follow things a little bit closer this year. And and just by saying, because my goal is to vote in 2016, I want to follow things a little bit closer. Then a lot of other stuff is going to come along with that. You're going to, you're going to find yourself becoming more informed because you're going to follow the things a little bit closer by be, being more informed you might end up even um developing more opinions about things and then by developing more opinions about things you're just going to become more active and to whatever level you want to be but i think that is good for america i don't think that going and i'm sorry maybe I'm, i I probably sound like a buzzkill or, or maybe i'm being too aggressive about this but i don't know like i i guess i feel kind of uncomfortable talking into a microphone and reaching at least 10 people and mm-hmm. saying don't you know your vote doesn't matter like don't worry about it like yeah I don't but know. i mean that mathematically me it doesn't really matter think about it the chances that somebody will cast the vote that tips the balance that there will be a deadlock it will be exactly one hundred thousand to one hundred thousand and you will cast the vote that will tip it over to one side or the other the chances that anybody will be that voter are it's like it's like winning the lottery and we think people that play the lottery are just, idiots. But, <laughs> but it's not just one vote. I mean, it, obviously it is aggregate. And so you're counting on – I mean that's why – if what you were saying 
was absolutely true that every vote doesn't count. Well, then I, I don't think that Democrats especially would just spend so much money with get out the vote efforts because, yes, this happens in aggregate. I mean, you saw what happened in, in Florida. And I mean, not to I know it sounds like kind of a, a cliche thing to say, but no, that may might not have been one vote because that's not how it works. We don't have people who obviously when you're talking about huge numbers like this, it doesn't come down to one vote. It's like, oh, Barbara voted for uh, w. Bush, he's in office. No, I mean we're dealing with some huge numbers. We're dealing with some errors and stuff. But you know some we have a system that's set up with some hanging chads. Really so miss that hanging chads. That was, was that was kind of a fun time for our country, don't you think? I mean, I know it was. I would argue it was a miscarriage of justice. But that was a fun time in this country. Like these crazy like counting these things and people coming out of like Broward County elections headquarters with we've looked at the chads and like mm-hmm. the Supreme Court getting involved. Now that was some exciting shit, Walsh. It was fun. This, when mid-term, I met too, this that midterm night. junk is I look, I, I know that I sound I know that I'm gonna make listeners furious. And the reason I know that they'll be furious with me is because I've said this kind of stuff before and they have been furious at me. But I guess uh, th- this is this is what I'm feeling right now, and maybe it's just the mood I'm in uh, today and recently, Andrew, or maybe part of it is the moving you know, out to Port Townsend and stuff. I just – what I feel like is the more engaged I am in following the races and uh, following the various political issues and getting kind of worked up about them, I feel like it actually brings out an uglier side of me. And I sort of have – I've been treating politics for the last six months or a year the way I treat personnel decisions that the Seattle Seahawks make. I basically feel like, eh, they'll work it out. There's some smart people are going to be working hard on this issue. And even if I don't agree with everything they do, I figure eh, it'll be it'll be more or less okay. And that's kind of my approach to politics. It's like me – for instance, there is an issue in Washington State that I actually do feel pretty strongly about, and that is that there is a – a ballot initiative that would um, that would tighten up some of the rules about it would it would close the so-called a gun show loophole in this state. So it would just mean that when you bought a gun from somebody, uh, you would have to go through the paperwork of buying a gun from somebody as if you were at a um, you know going into a gun store or a Walmart that sold guns or whatever. And uh, it just it tries to create, in my opinion, a very small uh, but useful uh, additional sort of. Uh, paper trail on a lot of these things, right? Now, the, there are, of course, a bunch of people who love owning guns and apparently love selling guns to their friends and or passing guns around, and they really don't like this idea. So they have created a, a, a an exact sort of, you know, a mirror initiative that would that would more or less undo what the uh, what the, the the other issue is, and they may both pass. And if they both pass, we'll be in this crazy world in this state where. One, you know, these things basically inter- they interrupt each other, and we will have passed two measures that 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 cancel each other out. So then the question will be, what what do we do? What supersedes what? That's kind of an interesting issue. I'm certainly on the side of the like, let's have more awareness of who's buying guns in this society. But I feel like if I get super worked up about it, if I get super mad at the NRA, if I'm walking around trying to get my neighbors to vote on this thing, all I'm doing is just in getting. I'm I'm just. I'm going to it feels to me like I'm just going into a world where I'm more worked up, I'm more angry, I'm more like apoplectic that these gun supporters would work would would be so into trying to make sure that nobody can know who the f is buying a gun in this state as if that there's any upside to that. And instead I was just like I would like to take the dog for a walk on the beach today and not totally give that much of a shit about this stuff. That's kind of where I'm at. And I I feel like 
I'm a happier person from that. So, so if I mean, is this being engaged in the process in this country and that being the thing you're supposed to do as an American, does it mean we're all supposed to be sort of like battling on one side or the other of these issues or these candidates? No. Well, I mean, I mean, I listen, what you decide to do, and I'm not saying that I'm mad at you, Luke Burbank, for not voting. And I'm not. What I'm taking issue with isn't that you didn't vote today. But I would also say that that example there, you're saying that if I get involved, then I'm going to fly off the handle with rage. That sort of sounds like a a, a YP. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I you know, we have my votes are that I, I, you good. Know, like, <laughs> I just sort of feel like, OK, well, you kind of can't handle the electoral system without like kind of getting so involved that you're going to see red. Well, then maybe that's not good for you. But like I'm just talking about and I know. Hey, listen, we're a podcast, and you know, but maybe I would have I would have felt even more strongly if I was maybe over broadcast. But I just sort of feel like. Okay, so that doesn't work for you. You have some rage issues, but I don't know that that (laughs) means we should open up our microphones and say, you know what, like your vote really doesn't mean anything. I I mean, I guess I'm taking this way too seriously. And again, I feel like I'm being. I know, but their votes don't mean anything. You're you're like, like, you're like, listen, you're like, you're, you're, you're saying this. You're basically doing the kind of U.S. civics version of singing "Proud to Be an American." As somebody in uniform leaves the airplane, like you're saying this thing, which is that every, you know, voting matters and all. And it's like it really doesn't if you're being hardcore logical about it. It really doesn't. Now, you could argue that it's good for the country because it, it, it maybe creates more engagement. And you could say a lot of the arguments, a, a lot making, of places. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not discounting that. And also, of course, there are many places in the world where people can't vote and they or they do. They vote at great personal risk. And so we are very lucky that it's an option. And the funny part in all this is. I'm saying I would have completely voted if I would have been near where the you know polling station was near my house this morning. I would have – oh, yeah, I'll go do that. Sure, why not? But th- this idea that like – that, that I mean I'm just saying if we're being really just black and white about it or being very just logical or mathematical about it, it really doesn't matter. Most of the time, but in aggregate, it, but I mean, but in aggregate, it does. I mean, at what point? So, like, who are you talking to here? Like, let's just say, okay, so we by saying that we're just telling you, you shouldn't feel so bad. Who, I'm, I'm giving you a way listens, out. <laughs> nobody listens to TBTL votes now. They just say, you know what, Luke's right. Our votes don't count. So, okay, I, how many uh, people do you think listen? Whatever. How many? I know we talk about how many downloads. I don't know how that translates to people, but okay. So this is just a huge vote. It's this about is a, it's a small, about eighty. A, a, it's about eighty million people. Yeah, right. In okay. the U.S. So, will stop voting if, if they take my advice. But, I mean, obviously not everybody in the U.S. I mean, the whole thing is a balance. Like, okay, let's say that we're looking at, at two scale you know, or two sides of a scale, like an old-fashioned scale, and there's just sand on both sides. Yes, removing one little speck of sand isn't going to make a difference, but and neither is two or three or four. But eventually when you're taking spoonful of sands off of the scale, just, it's, it's going to tip. Like not everybody in the country is going to stop voting. So uh, yes, it's an, my vote is just one of millions in this state alone, but that is how it works. If everybody – if every Everybody in the country took your advice just to take it to an extreme and everybody just stops voting. I just don't understand how like making the argument you're making is I, – I guess I'm a little bit insulted that you would say that it's the same as just like applauding a, a service member because it's not. Like, it's, I, feel, everybody it's, I think it's very ceremonial. And, I think it's very ceremonial. It's mostly ceremonial. Unless you're the person who actually casts the vote that changes an election, it's mostly ceremonial. And that's okay. There are lots of ceremonies that are really great and important in our society. And I think I'm 
I'm not I mean I think maybe I, the way I started with this gave maybe gave the wrong impression but I'm not saying people shouldn't vote. I guess what I'm saying is people shouldn't feel so bad if they don't vote sometimes because there's what what I'm saying is there's this whole pressure in this country there's the like I voted stickers and the everybody asking everybody did you vote and like today when I turned on uh the uh, uh Twitter on my phone it was all these by the way, corporations, funnily enough, like trying to co-opt the fact that it's election day. They're trying – corporations are generally – I'm not trying to get all Ralph Nader on it, but it's like the corporations are just generally trying to find any reason to promote a tweet you know, that they think will seem relevant to people. So everybody was like these corporate tweets going like, did you vote today? I just feel like everybody's on this whole thing of like, did you guys – did everybody vote? And it's like, you know – I don't think people should feel that bad if they didn't vote. I'm not encouraging people not to vote. I'm not telling people don't vote. I'm just saying if somebody didn't vote like you or like me, um, I don't think it's the end of the world. And I think it's weird that you buy into this, Andrew, because there are so many other things that you don't buy into that are, to me, similarly ceremonial in this country. But I, that's what I'm saying. Like it literally, physically cannot just be ceremonial because if you take it to the, the the extreme conclusion of what you're saying, and absolutely nobody casts a vote, then our our system fails. If everybody stops applauding service members, that doesn't do anything. That doesn't change um, any realities on the, the ground. The terrorists have Ex- won. Well, I mean, the, the terrorists have won, but that's still a ceremonial winning. But obviously, I, I just, I mean, I understand what you're saying. There are millions. Millions and millions and millions and millions of, of votes cast. So therefore, yes, your your one vote is not going to determine the outcome. I don't think anybody is saying that and nobody is, thinks that. But saying that because your one – I mean I guess you're setting it up to say that unless my, unless my ballot cast by Luke Burbank is the deciding vote, then it doesn't matter. And that is maybe what I'm taking issue with. Like, no, I know that my Andrew Walsh vote is not going to be the final vote, but I know that it is going to be part of this greater sum of votes that are going to be in play. And if nobody voted, if everybody stayed home, then nobody – then obviously our system completely breaks down. And and so and especially during the midterms where our voter turnout is so bad, like voter turnout in the United States is so people bad, finally taking my advice for year. once in this. And it's just like and I think that's really bad because then that's where you get um, you give opportunity for the extremists to to take advantage of that. And when you have very low voter turnout, that's where you get a couple of groups of extremists who then drum up their voter turnout and, and you get a lot of wackos in there. I, I don't know. I just I'm sorry that I'm so upset about this. Can we no, get Chris Hayes on the phone tomorrow? I know he's doing live coverage right now, but I feel like I'm letting him down. No, no, you're making yeah. no, you're, I think you're making an Andrew, believe me. When when this show goes out to the world and our listeners listen to it, the people that are in your camp and the people that are in my to the degree that I'm trying to form a camp with this, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be overwhelming. Of course I would say to those people, unless you're the person who sends the deciding email <laughs> between if Andrew's right or if I'm right, uh-huh. unless you're that person. No, you know I am what? not. Let's I, put it to a vote. Now, on a scale of on a scale of one to ten, Christy, how <laughs> uncomfortable does it make you when mommy and daddy fight? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty bad. Do you, do you just like start wanting to email them or something and like tell me it's okay? Like I just <laughs> I need to feel okay about this relationship. What's going No, happen? but I remember the aftermath of that people did do it. Really? I know that they're going to be fine mm-hmm. and they're never rude to each other. 
Yeah. But mostly I just want to protect Andrew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I um depending on how tired I, I think uh, either Bobby or I am when we're editing your guys' episodes, we pull out most of most of the horrible things that Mike says to you guys. <laughs> but, you know, because we want to kind of protect his image, right, even right. though he apparently seems to not care about protecting his own <laughs> image, which is weird. But but we so we usually pull pull most of it out, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, because makes people uneasy, I think. Right. But and do do Luke and Andrew get in lots of fights or no, rarely. That's why this one is such um so important, I guess. I see. Yeah. And this this one has no clip, right? Right. But this was this is from Maggie. Do we say last names? I don't know. She's on the Stens page. Maggie yeah. Wilsey. Yeah. <laughs> uh this is this was Maggie evidently tried to record this a couple times and uh felt that it was not coming across yeah. the way that she had hoped. So she just sent this in and uh I'm gonna read it. I'm not gonna do a Maggie impression. Oh, I think if you that's should. Okay. Huh. <laughs> uh okay. I love Andrew because Andrew is everything that I am not. He's super smart and funny, and he is totes adorbs. He is gracious and calm when I'm jumping all over him and slobbering like a puppy dog. He is cool as a cucumber, but he's also honest about his anxieties. Andrew has an amazing girlfriend, Genevieve. She is smart and hilariously funny and absolutely gorgeous. In his comfort zone, Andrew is magical, but I really love him when he's out of his comfort zone because he makes me giggle nervously and laugh out loud. I love his honesty and that he has the guts to be vulnerable and off his balance just for us, his adoring fans. The truth is, I truly love both Luke and Andrew. They are a perfect pair, but everybody knows about my big love for Andrew. I seriously can't wait till he's back where he belongs. I have a million favorite Andrew moments, but I just re-listened to the Oh Shit Hell Pizza episode 1079 on it andrew is just so funny trying to tippy toe around his this bomb called the man seriously everybody listen to this episode it's a classic thank you christy love maggie <laughs> oh that was really sweet that was very sweet all right well we got another uh right in yes <laughs> submission submission uh from cory is it just Corey? Corey Plucker. Corey Plucker. I love when Andrew accidentally instant gobbled Luke. The way he apologized <laughs> so sincerely for something so silly still makes me crack up. And, of course, the golf man stuff. I love so many of his moments, mostly his throwaway lines or offhand witty comments. Hope this helps. Um, I love this clip so much that... I kept playing it over and over again while we were setting this up. And Jeremy would say, are you okay? What's, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> yeah. It was good, though. It's, it's, it's funny. It's really funny. Especially because that noise has made it into, I guess, the TBTL <laughs> lexicon. And it still mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. To like, to, okay, we're doing this. And I don't, you know, anything that's like, okay, we're doing this. is. I'm really sorry about that. I honestly, I was not trying to interrupt you. I'm sorry, Andrew. I am dead serious that that was an accident. I had something in queue, and then it went through the speakers. I'm sorry. Was that a dog? 
I was queuing. Did that, wait? Did that go through the speakers? Did I, you hear that? Yeah, I heard I, it, what sounded like a dog whimpering or you being mercilessly whipped in order to buy candy from someone's kid. I don't know what. I, have I don't know what Mario has website. you doing. The, oh, was that I a turkey gobble? I have this this the sound effect website open, and I'm looking. They have something called the Price is Wrong, which is you know the thing that you use all the time with the sad horns. Um, and then I saw that they have something called Instant Gobble, and I knew that you're going to be doing probably a Chateau Saint Michel Thanksgiving mention a little bit. And I wanted to see if this would be something worth playing. You know what you forget, Andrew, is that if we need you a turkey gobble, it. we got a turkey gobble. All right. You know what you're being right now? Jive turkey <laughs> gobbling like a jive turkey. Wish I had that. Anyway, that's I'm so thoughtful really, of I, you. Though that's thoughtful. You were getting ready same. for the. You know what? This is a perfect time. I mean, I could talk about shows I'm not going to watch for hours. <laughs> I know the listeners can't get enough, but um, why wouldn't we? I think I have to agree with Corey <laughs> in, in his uh, his email that he sent in that uh, Andrew's apology sounded so sincere. Uh, he sounded so genuinely embarrassed like it was palpable coming through yeah. the microphone <laughs> and uh i mean really just a beautiful <laughs> i think a beautiful moment uh beautiful moment all around and when, when luke <laughs> says wait was that a dog <laughs> <laughs> well so the all the other ones people actually recorded themselves they sent in their own kind of setup and because this is a podcast about a podcast but yeah. on our podcast about a podcast we <laughs> didn't want to be setting up people setting up clips <laughs> because that is uh, meta. one Folded layer too deep itself, <laughs> for yeah. this uh very uh inside to the power of inside mm -hmm. podcast so um so let's what I what we're going to do is we're just going to play these clips for you. We're going to play the intros to people's clips. Sometimes they mix in some commentary throughout the clip. Uh but we have great clips from the you know the LRB host Bobby Meredith, Mike Phyllis put something in and uh, of course the tens of listeners sent in some great stuff as well. So we'll uh we'll go through those and we're going to play them and in between each one if you listen for this sound that will be your sign that we're moving to a new a new person. So you'll hear them set it up. We're going to put links to all of these episodes that the clips are pull, pulled from uh, in the show post, which you can find over at littleredbandwagon.com. Ding. <laughs> and then, of course, we're going to come back at the end to wrap things up. I think you have something to say. I have kind of a funny Andrew story I was thinking about saying. So, oh, okay. Uh, Can't wait. We'll, uh, we'll get to that. Ready right. to go? Let's do this. Let's do it. Roll that clip. Hey, Wagoneers. This is Anne Lundholm joining you from the semi-frozen tundra of the Bay Twin Cities. Or was it the Twin Bay Cities? Did we ever decide on that? Regardless, I'm here to share one of my favorite Andrew Walsh moments. In the summer of 2012, Andrew had been on the show for a little while, but we were still really getting to know him. In August, his parents came to visit, and he mentioned that he planned to take them on the Boeing tour. When he returned, he told a story about an encounter with a 10 in the wild. If it pleases the court, I'd like to submit into evidence Exhibit A from episode number 1147 in a collector series. Here's where the true O oh, Andrew moment comes in. Oh, Andrew. Oh, Andrew. I'm on the Boeing tour. 
Yeah. You go up several giant – there's a crew, I don't know, like a, a tour group of about well, 20 of us or okay. something. I don't know. And uh, you go around with them. You end up going on elevators a, a couple of times, these giant kind of cargo elevators. It's a really awesome tour, by the way. And we're on the final elevator, I think down or up, whatever. It's kind of the last part. And we accidentally stop on the wrong floor for a second, mm -hmm. which I don't think happens all that often. And there's a fella standing there with a big crate full of stuff. I think he was like, I don't know. He's like the seventh, seventh and a half floor. <laughs> People are just climbing into John Malkovich. Yes. Yeah, he, he was acting with weird. Like somebody was pulling his arms by strings. Um, and there's a fella there, a hat, I believe, and a beard. Mm -hmm. And he's with this big cart of things and he can't get on the elevator because clearly there's a big crew of people so he's staring at us this tour group is staring back at him he says something to the tour guide then he looks right at me and says hey andrew or something along those lines Hello? or is that i think he said is that andrew and i look you know over my shoulder a couple of times i realize oh this he's talking about me and then i'm thinking like where do i know him from where do i know this guy from it's like if i know somebody who works at boeing and they haven't already taken me on the tour what the heck and i look over my shoulder and i realize he's talking to me and then he says i'm a 10 and then this is you know and i keep thinking like what would you do in this situation you would be like oh that's awesome great to meet you what's your name but instead i just stared at him my mouth a gap a gape uh a gape my mouth a gape everybody's staring at me i'm turning bright red i kind of give this feeble wave because you are feeling embarrassed in front of the other people on the There's tour? Just, it's just a, a, a whole bunch of stuff that's happening at once. I can't quite hear well enough. I, I don't even know if it's actually happening. I keep thinking I'm misunderstanding Is what he's saying. Is this the first time you've ever been recognized as a person who's worked on a radio-type show? Yeah. In, like, just... Other than a thing that was, you know, designed to meet the listeners, like the Chateau Saint-Michel thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, every now and then you might meet somebody in, you know, if it's in New Hampshire and you say, oh, yeah, I work on the, I, I work on the exchange, the and morning they'd be like, show. Oh, I'd be like, oh, I love that show. That's right. great. Tell Laura But as far as somebody her. just like, uh, like walking, but like just walking at me yeah. through a, you know, hallway in Boeing, just like looking at you being like Andrew Walsh. In front of like, and we're all on this big elevator, the entire, the entire tour group is. So yeah. I'm surrounded by 20 or 30 people. I'm directly in the middle of this crowd. He's looking kind of through the crowd at me on the floor. He's not on the elevator and then says that. And I'm just trying to – basically what's happening is I'm trying to process process this all. And You're trying to process the most amazing moment in your life. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's so awesome. And then he says – I didn't even hear this until later I processed what he said. He said, we had signs out for you yesterday. What? And I didn't know what that meant. And again, I didn't have a chance to talk to him because there are all these people between us. And then the elevator doors close slowly, and I just kind of give this w another little wave, and I give my face probably just looks like I don't know what's going on. The thing is, I may have just looked like the rudest bastard in the world. I'm hoping he knows that I was just caught off guard and... And not meaning to be rude, but just kind of confused and shocked. And, my, and not only is this happening in front of all these people, but it's happening in front of my parents, who I haven't seen in two years. And they don't even know what the heck I do. But, I mean, but, but on the other hand, were they kind of impressed? Maybe. I, I don't you know. I talk think about so. I mean, we talked about it a little bit. And I didn't want to I, – I was just kind of like a lot of, uh, a lot of emotions were going through me. So, I mean, we talked about My dad was kind of like, yeah, I think they – maybe they were because Joyce, my stepmom, said – 
boy, and we didn't even know the name of your show or something like that. And you're being spotted on elevators. But anyway, I would like to uh, use this uh, this old megaphone to say, yeah. hey, fella, will you please send me a note so we can talk and make sure. Did you say that you had signs out for me? If that's the case, if I'm wrong, I sound like a real jackass here. But if that's the case, what happened? Did you? They, I must have mentioned that this was the weekend I was going to Boeing and maybe he assumed that I would be there on Sunday instead of Monday. Maybe so, because he figured you, you'd, you'd be uh, working on Monday, maybe, maybe. on the show. Anyway, I may have misunderstood a total it. Total slacker. Yeah. Sorry about that, by the way. Thanks for uh, covering for me. God, anyway, guy, brutal. I don't even know your name. I'm sorry I was so rude. I didn't mean to be rude. I was just caught off guard, is the whole point of this story. The reason I love this Andrew moment is because this is the best expression of how I feel on a near-daily basis. I've left many a social gathering, sat in my car, and wondered, why are you so weird? Hearing someone as thoughtful, kind, and funny as Andrew worry about being awkward and unintentionally rude gives me hope that maybe it's not as bad as I feared. Maybe people don't walk away from me thinking, God, what's her problem? On to the resolution of this story. A week later, Andrew read an email that shed a little more light on the subject. And now I'd like to submit Exhibit B from episode number 1,152 in a collector series. Uh, his name is Harley, and he, uh, he wrote to me, and this is the email I got. Oh, Andrew. <laughs> My name is Harley, and I was the 10 at Boeing on Monday. I had just as much anxiety about our meeting as you did. What kind of an a-hole yells at a guy in a crowded elevator? I guess this kind. Sad horns. <laughs> I hope I didn't make you feel too weird. The signs I put up just said, Welcome Walsh family, and was signed from the Boeing 10s, oh which was presumptuous God. of me since I'm the only 10 here that I know of. That's not true. Yeah, more Boeing 10s? Well, maybe not currently, but some might get hired at some point. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, let's see, where was I? Um, uh, I'm sure there are probably more, but that would require me talking to people to find out. Management made me take the signs down what? Monday morning. Anyway, as soon as the elevator as soon as the elevator door slowly closed, I called my wife and told her the story of how I shouted awkwardly at Andrew Walsh. And you know what she you said? You guys were made for each other, by the way, you and Harley. And you know what she said? She said, "Oh, Harley." <laughs> Signed your new friend? Question mark. To which I answered that question absolutely. Hey, it's me again. Hearing Harley's side of the story was really great. It taught me that the other person is probably thinking less about how rude and awkward you were, and more about what a dork they were. I think about this quite often as I work on what Luke's therapist would call my growth edge. So, Mr. Walsh, I salute you. You are an inspiration to us social weirdos everywhere. And if I can say just one more thing, absolutely. Hey, Wagoneers, this is your good friend Meredith, Eminem, Spaghetti, Mayhem, Mayhan. Um, I was thinking about how best to celebrate our good buddy Andrew joining TBTL, and the first story that popped into my head was the now classic tale of Oops, the Dirty Monster. Uh, this discussion started because Luke was telling the story about a woman who adopted a cockatoo named Peaches, whose previous living situation must have been kind of tense because this bird was constantly 
vocalizing what sounded like a lot of human arguing, um, although you couldn't really make out what they were saying. So I just love this story right off the bat because animals doing people things is a guaranteed barn burner in my book. But then Andrew jumped in with a story that still makes me laugh, even after listening for like the 10th time today. Um, and then one of our amazing tens, Eric Jagger, also has animated this short story and put it up on YouTube, and we'll put the link up to it. It's definitely worth your time. I grew up with a cockatiel. It's not a cockatiel. Cockatiels are not that big. Well, you did? Um, yeah, we had a cockatiel growing up. Its name was Oops. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> How do I not know this about you? I don't know. I never think I really talk about Oops much. I didn't like Oops. Oops was my mom's bird potentially still alive you're right these things live forever but again cockatiels not not a big bird small bird you know um uh, i'm looking maybe uh two decks uh playing cards high mm -hmm. deck and a half maybe and uh this one so this i mean it's just this little dirty monster that you would like kind of <laughs> let out of the cage and just kind of fly around and all it would do is eat all my dad's uh credit cards <laughs> and um and the reason it's named oops and this probably had a, a psychological effect on me as well like it didn't really have a name my mom was trying to train it and she was taught that you're supposed to say oops when it shits outside the cage and so it shit outside the cage all the time and she'd say oops and then we just started calling the bird oops so basically the bird's name was shit <laughs> like i did not like this bird really at all andrew this is without a doubt the single most interesting thing about you and it, <laughs> it took you a year and a half of doing this show to, to explain this by the way you've been saying that i looked at uh, i looked at my resume the other day i've been doing this show for three years with you now <laughs> not a year and a half i'm glad it flew by so quickly and yes, I put this on my resume. And yes, I was looking at my resume. Let's move on. <laughs> Could Oops the Dirty Monster be a name for the show? They <laughs> think it could be. Hi, this is Sarah from Carlow, Pennsylvania. My favorite Andrew moment is when Luke and Andrew role-played Joe Biden being reprimanded by his boss for inappropriately touching his coworkers. Somehow, Andrew ends up asking Joe Biden for help with his personal life. Enjoy. But I can just say that there are women out there who feel uncomfortable having to interview Joe Biden. How then does somebody tell Joe Biden, you got to stop being so Joe Biden? I mean, that, uh, that's a, this is a real, that's a real question. Yeah. Does somebody, is that, whose job is that? Is that, you know... Given his position and stature, like it's a that's a tough one to have. If he were my employee, <laughs> I would have the conversation with him, and frankly, it wouldn't okay, be I'm gonna that be tough. Jo okay, I'm going to be Joe Biden. Wait, are you, you Joe Biden who works for me? Yes, or, I'm Joe Biden. I'm a producer on Press Play. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's easy. Yeah, yeah. And you're a producer who works for me, and um, and you're kind of like making some of the other producers uncomfortable because yeah. But also, bear in mind, I'm really a 64 year old man with hair plugs yeah. and uh, okay. and cap teeth. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been riding the train in from Delaware mm -hmm. to the studios of KCRW famously mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. And uh, people, you know, people give me a hard time, but, but a lot of people love me. And I just I got a heart as big as this, uh, uh, as big as the whole state of California. And uh, now I've come into your office. Uh, imagine I'm one part uh, public radio producer, one part Shell the Machine Levine. From Glencary, Glen Ross. Okay, okay. okay and now you're going to tell me, and I, you know, I'll tell you something else, Andrew. Uh, in Deborah in accounting, she was going mm -hmm. through a hard, hard time. I sat with her. I spent my lunch breaks with her. And uh, I listened to her problems, and I told her it was going to be okay. And I, when I put my hand on her shoulder, she looked me in the eye, and she said, thank you. 
Joe Biden for uh, for really hearing me out and help me feel better about this. That's the impact I have around this radio station. So anyway, what do you want to see sure. me about? So anyway, so I thanks for um, thanks for taking the time to talk. I won't take up too much of your time. I'm actually talking with everybody on the staff just kind of to check in with them okay. um, and make sure everybody's doing well. I want to say, by the way, the um, segment you did today on the history of pastrami, mm-hmm. that was a good idea. That was a good. That was like a good idea, and it was well executed. So, oh, good thank pitch. you very much. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. I figured. Uh, I mean, they sent me out to look for you a couple of days when you weren't around for the meeting, and I, you know, was looking in your normal pastrami haunts, mm-hmm. and uh, it just occurred to me, boy, this would be a great story for this show. So, thank you, by the way, for not showing up for work on those days. Mm-hmm. Turned out you were actually at a bar off of Alvarado, mm-hmm. but um, but. Well, Who could have known that at the time? Yeah, I was having a, uh, I was having a meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. But it, it really was a good segment. And what I liked about it is the fact that it wasn't just something that you know, like we just took somebody else's idea. It just seemed like an original kind mm-hmm. of. Nobody else is doing that kind of stuff. So oh, well, thank you. I definitely like that. And so, and you know, I told the rest of the gang too. Like we should keep on um, looking for for stories like that. So thank you. Sure. Um, one thing that I did kind of want to say, if you if you don't mind taking a little bit of feedback, is I can kind of tell, and nobody is saying anything specifically to me, and because I don't want you to, I don't want this turn into some conversation where you're trying to figure out who who ratted you out this isn't that's not what's going on here but you know i i can tell that some of your interactions which i believe are a hundred percent good-hearted but some of your interactions with some of the other staff are making people a little bit uncomfortable you know listen i'm not going to sugarcoat it we're kind of from different generations i think that some of the younger people here who are like you know younger than me aren't used to kind of being manhandled a little bit. And I know that you mean no ill harm with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just how you kind of express friendliness and whatever. I don't want to tell you what's going on in your head when you're doing that, but kind of the, the touchy feely stuff, even just like kind of putting a, a hand on the shoulder. And I don't want to turn this into a place where you feel like you can't do anything without getting in trouble. But, you know, it's 2015. We have these HR videos we all have to watch and sign off on. Mm-hmm. I saw your certificate. Congratulations on passing with flying colors again. Thank you. But, you know, just try not to. Um, get quite as much in people's space and I think just kind of, you know, find other ways to connect with people. Use your words, Joe. Would you tell me, is this a way of telling me that you would like me to take my hand off of your upper thigh right now? Because that's, it doesn't bother me. Oh, I like to make that clear. It does not bother me at all. You're saying some of the other people, uh, on staff have, have felt uncomfortable about that. It's stuff. my impression that they have. I can't prove to you. Mm-hmm. And again, nobody is like uh, ratting you out. But what I'm trying to do is I want to have this conversation with you now because, listen, I'm a human being. I can kind of see the reactions of people. It is my impression that you're making people uncomfortable. And I'd rather have this conversation with you now before somebody does have to come to me and say, hey, listen, the way Joe interacts with me is making me uncomfortable because it's not that big of a deal. And, you know, I don't Was want this you about the time that I, on you or anything. I put my hand on Warren Olney's kind of mid-thigh region and said, think of a number between 1 and 6,000? It was Warren who wanted me to talk to you. Okay. Okay. I, I, you I got it out of me. I appreciate you got it you. out of me. I appreciate your candor, and I will definitely um, give him easier questions when it comes to tickle torture, because he is a really bad at it, and things get pretty tickly. Well, the thing... I didn't want to go—this isn't what this conversation is supposed to be about. I'd like to stick with my original 
request of you, mm-hmm. for both of our sake and everybody's sake, that you, you kind of back off a little bit as far as people's personal space is concerned. Regarding the specific Warren thing that you've brought up, if you want to talk about that, we can. The issue there was we think you're lying about him not getting the number right. It was 1,329. You, you were thinking of thir- – Joe, you were thinking 1,329, weren't you? Fine. It may have been the number, but I don't think I'd go telling that to other people around here if a maybe somebody spotted me crying over a sub sandwich at lunch, which um, I feel like may you're sound this familiar really personal, to you. I'm I feel like you're making you wanna, this really hard on me. You want to take the gloves off. Uh, we can take the gloves I'm off. I'm really concerned about how personal you're making this. I ho- hope you don't think that I brought you in here to attack you. I think the world like – we were just saying that pastrami segment was amazing. I think you're doing a great job. You're an incredible uh, asset to this team, and I don't want to see you go. But that's why I wanted to have the conversation with you in advance because I want to talk about it before it did become a problem. So, okay. so please, no more personal attacks. Okay. And I wasn't, I Thank wasn't you. crying I'm sorry. I got into a little... my sandwich. I was just – it was windy and some yeah. things got in my eye, and it's yeah. just been it's been tough, Joe. It's okay. been I hear I you. mean, it's just been you. a lot. I'm sorry, of, I got a little uh, bit. You know, I get. It's I just get I defensive. work really hard. Mm-hmm. I get kind of defensive sometimes, and, and I apologize. Uh, and I am things haven't been good at home, Joe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so and I, I should sit probably on the ten. I should no, I'm probably get back to here. that segment um, that I'm working on. Just one last. Are you question, married, though. Joe? Because I just sometimes you happily. I don't know what. Can I ask one question? You make a commitment to a woman. You go ahead. Can I ask one question before I leave? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Think of a number between 1 and 6,000. That is exactly right, Andrew. So no tickle torture for you. And thank you for this pep talk. That was actually very good. Meeting. You are yeah. you're really good at that. I, I would like to ask you if you've ever had to give someone that speech, but you're probably violating some kind of HR policy. If you the uh, the crying part has happened a lot, <laughs> the part where I break down and start bringing up my personal troubles. That's yeah, weekly. Hey, it's Phyllis. One of my very first TBTLs was the Tom Maliazzi obit. It might have even been my first one ever. And in that one, Andrew made a really good point about the show Car Talk. I wonder if maybe somebody who I admire a lot said this one time and I'm copying it or not. But for a long time, I've always said, you know what? If Car Talk came around today, no public radio program director would put it on the air. Or certainly not any of the big wig stations and certainly not NPR. If NPR was exactly the same but there was no car talk and we didn't know what car talk was and then somebody, you know, then Tom and Ray sent a tape to, you know, NPR, would NPR put that show on the air? And I've I always know said if, never, never would that happen. And now today, I don't, I don't maybe I'm rethinking that a little bit because of, you know, learning a little bit more about how they came to be and how – they were just like a small and I kind of knew this, but knowing that they came to be because they were a local show that then became a segment on, you know, weekend edition, which then blossomed into something else. I guess we see that happen in public radio from time to time. But it's just ho- so hard to imagine NPR these days saying, hey, there's these two guys. It's so much about their personality. It's like totally personality driven. They laugh their ass off all the time with these heavy Brooklyn accents. Let's let's give them primetime real estate on Saturday mornings. 
I think uh, one. I think they have Boston accents. Oh, what did I say? Um, you said Brooklyn. Oh, yes. Obviously, it's Boston. Sorry. Um, no, I, I wasn't correcting you. For a moment, I thought, well, maybe they were from Brooklyn before they no, moved no, to no. Boston. But yeah, definitely lest Boston. we get lest we get a bunch of sharpshooters, um, I uh, I actually I'm not sure if 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 the person if the wise person you're thinking of is me who said that to you. But I have for years and years, really ever since I did that show, the Bryant Park Project, uh, which was supposed to be for NPR this big. Um, bold endeavor, which I didn't think was really bold enough. Ultimately, I have always used car talk as an example of, of, of as, as a way to explain what I think is wrong with the way most public radio shows get created at a network level. If NPR decided to start an automotive show right now, they would go, well, we need somebody in Tokyo and we need somebody in um, Detroit and we'll get somebody from car and driver magazine and they would just go ahead and they put together all of the most sort of obvious and relevant people and they'd call the show like um you know what would they Speaking call what would NPR's cars? automotive what's that Speaking of cars Speaking of cars I know that's a weird place to cut that one off but I love that joke Speaking of cars and it's very true what he said and that joke happened to be the first thing i wrote to andrew about to let him know i was listening to tvtl and i sent him about eight messages in one day listening to all these different episodes and he finally wrote back hey p you've gone down a tbtl rabbit hole should i call for help now clearly he had seen this happen many times and he knew i'm sure that i was just falling head over heels uh, in love with the show and i definitely did and i powered through and you guys all know the rest of that crazy story but i want you to know that andrew and his wit is definitely a key reason that i became a 10 so i'm glad you're having an anniversary andrew and i hope you enjoy it hey friends bobby here some of my favorite moments in TBTL history are from times when the hosts have talked about when they were young. And while Andrew never pooped his pants at a sporting event, at least as far as we know, he has had a lot of experiences that have stayed with me. I think sharing in this way is one of the reasons TBTL feels so personal to so many of us, and especially in these recent years, why we feel so close to the guys. So for my clip, we'll listen back to December 19th, 2013. It's episode number 1496, and it's titled Hero Fantasies and Above Ground Pools. Andrew, Luke, and blogger emeritus Brent Flyberg are swapping stories, and Andrew tells us about his childhood dreams of saving the day and getting the girl. I had to trim this down pretty heavily, but I encourage everyone to go back and listen to the full episode before this clip is about 30 solid minutes on finding the best work bathroom to poop in. So there you have it, a sincere introduction honoring Andrew, where I still managed to mention poop twice, actually three times counting that. So enjoy. Yeah, no, not to make me sound entitled, because you know me, I had uh, no friends, no self-confidence, no 
ability to talk to girls or anything, Nothing's but changed. I did have <laughs> all of that stuff. Like, cause we grew up in the country. We had seven acres. I had a, um, a little two, a two wheeled motorcycle. Well, a motorcycle, but it was like motorcycle? kind of, Where'd yeah, you get that? it was a Honda 50. It was a very small, like motorcycle for kids. I had a go-kart. We had a golf cart that went pretty fast. We had a dune buggy that my dad had made out of a, uh, out of a Volkswagen or my dad and his friends made out of a Volkswagen. We had like, he had a motorcycle. We had every form of like kind of motorized entertainment we could possibly have. Was that as like, okay, amazing. so you were living in a Ricky Schroeder-esque Silver Spoons dream. Yeah, did you have a train? Yeah, too? That went around well, you got to mix in some Duck Dynasty, though. It was right. like, it was it was Silver Spoons meets Duck Dynasty because, I mean, we, so it was basically was the two best TV shows of all time. time. The two right, best TV exactly. programs Ricky ever. Schroeder with, you're Ricky Schroeder with a beard. God damn it. You had everything, Walsh. It was amazing. Yeah, but Noel, but no friends. And I mean, no joke. And I, this is both. He's a friend when you got a dune buggy. Uh, I would have traded this every bo- one of my friends for a dune buggy. <laughs> they were, they were <laughs> shit. I used to literally in my go kart, which was great. I, by the way, I still have a scar in my arm where the where the um, where the uh, where I burned myself on the on the exhaust pipe. For but I had this little go kart that had a spoiler on, on the back, and I would just picture fat little Andy in his go kart, <laughs> just driving, just speeding all over um, our property and like going in circles around the pool. And I shit you not, a pool imagining. Too? Wait a second, you imagining a pool? It, it was an above ground pool with a deck all the way around it. So we've already discussed how above-ground pools are kind of an indicator on this show. I think. Well, you with, the, like, with yeah. the deck around, that yeah. changes it. Because if, yeah. if you can just – I mean this is one of the great kind of philosophical questions. Can God build a deck around an above-ground pool wide enough and long enough that it no longer feels like an above-ground pool? It kind of felt like – yeah, I mean it was – yeah, it felt – But anyway, I would drive around. stand on. I'm just – I can't let go of this pool situation. <laughs> sorry. You yeah. would drive around the pool. I'm sorry. Yeah, I would drive around the pool, and I would imagine that whatever girl I had a crush on, usually it was Elizabeth Carroll or Amanda Cook, I would just imagine that somehow in some fantasy they were watching me from afar and that I was just impressing them so much with oh my, my speed God. on my go-kart. That's amazing. Like, that was my life. So I had all these, like, motorized toys, but all I was doing with them was imagining that maybe Amanda Cook would, over, like, maybe catch a glimpse of me if she happened to be driving by with her family. <laughs> <laughs> which she would never do because we lived like miles and miles away from everybody. So really, would you trade my existence for I, yours? Here's the thing, though, is i just realizing how similar we are from that story. <laughs> What was still you have, like I, I, have, I used to have hero fantasies. I would put myself to bed every single night after like saying the rosary or saying a bunch of prayers. If I still wasn't asleep, I would have these fantasies like every night the same fantasy where we were in a, some sort of school thing or some sort of group situation, and then somebody with a gun came in <laughs> and held hostage one of the girls I had a crush on, and everybody was scared except for Fat Andy Walsh <laughs> who stood up and knew exactly how to be deft enough to save the girl without putting her more at risk. And then it was always a happy ending. That's the only thing more pathetic about than that, Andy, is the fact that I still think about that kind of stuff before I go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) You fantasize about me saving girls? That's amazing. Amanda Cook specifically. (laughs) And it's um, I don't know how you know how to do it in my fantasy of this happening. (laughs) So good, some little Jack Black shaped kid coming in and saving the day too. I had glasses since I was two years oh, old. That is delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I know. Turn this about I don't know because you know what? Here's the thing about having friends when you're a kid. Most of my friends, 
it was a terrible experience anyway because it was like <laughs> friends they're the worst no but honestly because when your friends like uh, the friends that i had for instance <clears throat> my very best friend growing up was this kid named peter williams who i am actually still friends with in adult life and i love but um I was apparently like his third favorite friend. Not even. I would think I was like barely in the running. And I came over one time mm-hmm. and his sister answered the door, the back door sliding door. And she said, um, uh, what, what are you doing here? I said, I'm, I'm here for Peter. And then she said to Peter, she like turned back and yelled, it's the friend you don't really like. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And then he came out and then we still decided to hang out that day. But it was like even I don't know. I, there's this kind of like, uh, you know, my girl. Uh, or like Norman Rockwell, I'm talking about the My Girl movie with Macaulay Culkin, or Norman Rockwell-esque idea of what childhood friendships are like, that they're just like, you know, you're at the fishing hole and you're the best, but not really. Like, it's a lot of bullshit, really. Kids, first of all, kids are emotionally very unavailable to each other because they're kids. <laughs> and so they do a lot of like... You should have talked to your friend about I feel like you're really emotionally unavailable. <laughs> but you all are like, it's fun to hang out, but there's a reason why every time you like spend over at your friend's house or they spend over at your house, I was, by the way, the kid no one spent over at my house. There was 100 children. There was one bathroom. It was like I would stay over the night at the people who had houses that were decent. But there was always a period of time after you spend over at your friend's house, like the next day where you have the biggest fight mm-hmm. with them you've ever mm-hmm. had in your life. It's yes. just like this knockdown, drag out, horrible fight. Like you just can't stand each other for one more minute. So I don't know. I might have taken go-karts. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You're, I mean, in my fantasy, um, you know, the girls weren't yelling at me. Except hollering when the they weren't hollering at me. Yeah, have you um? Have you tracked? Wait, wait, wait. So in your fantasy, even after you saved them, they were like, "All right, see you later." They weren't. No, hollering. I don't think so. I think I uh, no. I'm saying they, in other words, I'm saying that um, you know, I wasn't getting into fights with these mm-hmm. with these fantasies. These fantasies, at gotcha. least I could control them. And that's the thing. They were like, I mean, looking back on that, like they were very. Um, that scenario I described from you, I can still picture it. It's been so I can still picture it somehow. Like everybody standing around in a circle as I face off against this bad person. And, and like, what was your so move, specific. by the and way? I, I, and well, like, like what going was the into move? these, what was I the think movie it was like you know. I think it was it was a, a form of karate chop. Like that's what you're gonna do in that scenario, yeah. right? Like, yeah, that's what. You, I mean, but like I, it's not like. I can't explain it. It's not like daydreaming where you're sitting, uh, you know, reading a book or something and your mind wanders and next thing you know, you find yourself enveloped in this. It was like to go to sleep. It was like telling myself a bedtime story. Listen, you know what I mean? If I was Andrew, having trouble sleeping, th- I would go there. I would consciously say, all right, I'm going to think about this now. Hey, Wagoneers. This is Mike Frizzell slash Drew McFrizz slash... Jail Dude, and what I have for you is a clip brought to us by Bob, Ben, Bill, Danny DeVito, Alan Alda Stein as another segment he wanted to talk about on LRB. So thanks to you, sir. I am stealing it. One thing we talked about on Bob's LRB interview was how podcasting allows open, frank, and uninterrupted conversations and debates that flow and wrap themselves up of their own momentum and how this is a great thing. And this clip is a good example of that phenomenon. One of the best parts about Andrew's involvement with the show is his willingness to engage with the listeners through social media. While Jen and Luke pulled back from it, he generally seems to enjoy it. The problem with that is that he is also generally the moral center of the show, um, or as Aiden would say, the mortal compass. 
uh, and takes criticism to heart very quickly. One of my favorite moments was when he finally put his foot down about starting to do trigger warnings on the show. Of course, they are sometimes going to talk about things that affect some people more than others, but it was good to hear Andrew and Luke thoughtfully work through some feedback and come to a logical place. It wasn't a particularly funny moment, but I thought it was an important conversation about where to draw the line in self-censorship on the show. Uh, please enjoy the clip, and I love you, Andrew. Um, speaking of, this all started with a conversation about a post from one of the uh, listeners and on the Facebook page. And there was another post today that I thought was really interesting, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit um, and it came from a listener. I'll call her Jay. I don't know what the purpose of not giving her full name is because if you went to the Sten's Facebook page, you would just see the post. But um, uh, listener Jay, she's from Tacoma. Here's what she said, Andrew. Hey, Luke and Andrew, I'm about to be a super annoying 10. Recently, with all the Cosby stuff going on, you guys have been talking about rape a lot. And that's awesome, especially since you're two bros broing it up, talking about real issues. At the same time, for some people, including myself, that jazz is really hard to listen to. Even that word can be really hard to hear. I was wondering if there was any way you guys could maybe do a warning ahead of time. The irony is that I have now, in reading this message, created the scenario, by the way, that this listener is having a hard time with. Because that word is in the actual body mm -hmm. of the message. But anyway... Um, I was wondering if there was any way you guys could maybe do a warning ahead of time like you do with sexy time stuff in case kids are listening. It's getting to the point where I get nervous to listen to the show because I'm afraid the topic will come up again. Love the show and hate to be obnoxious. Thanks for reading if you have. And we did. Um, so listener Jay is asking, I guess, m more or less for us to uh, follow the, the, the idea of, of kind of giving what are called trigger warnings. Um, and... I, first of all, really appreciate the tone with which Jay writes this post. It's, you know, I think that uh, it's clearly written by a very self-aware person who just enjoys the show and wants to enjoy the show as much as possible. Um, I, I also have to say that I have, if I'm being totally honest, what, as the conversation about trigger warnings has gone on about, you know, college campuses and radio shows and TV broadcasts and anything else, um, I've, I've had a kind of a hard time really embracing the idea of giving trigger warnings. Now, it's not because I don't think that the experience for people is real. You know what I mean? Like, I completely believe that there are people who, when they hear frank discussions or even the mention of, of something uh, that was tra very traumatic to them, I can see, I can understand how that sets off all kinds of basically PTSD. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't say that, like, sarcastically, like legitimate PTSD. That being said, I guess I kind of feel like, first of all, we don't really know what we're going to say most of the time. I guess if we have, like, Bill Cosby is on the list of things we're going to talk about, um, maybe I could try to preface it. I mean, I don't know what the downside is other than I just wonder then uh, how many uh, things do we need to kind of uh, give a heads up on? Because I, I don't think those are probably the only topics that could be traumatic for some people, depending on whatever their experience has been. Yeah, I don't think it's that practical. And again, I would like to also say that I appreciate the tone. I didn't actually see that until um, until just I, I still haven't seen it. I just know it from you reading it just now. So that was my first exposure to that uh, post. And uh, you know that was a nice, thoughtful thing. And I don't want to be kind of cavalier about it, but I just don't see how it's practical. Like I guess. Um, 
I guess she says we know this is a woman. Yeah, you, you're just yeah. yeah you're just um, again. I don't you, really you know, know why I'm anonymizing right, yeah. her because um, she posted publicly on the page. So and right, and, I mean, and there were comments afterwards. So it's not like it's yeah. some secret. But I guess I'm yeah, just fine, trying to be good. you know I don't know respectful yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, sure. Um, it's always fine to err on the side of caution there. But anyway, um, so I just wasn't sure which pronoun to use. But anyway, no, I, I respect Jay's um, letter. I, I really do. Um, but I, I don't know how uh, practical it is when she says like you do for mommy daddy time or whatever i don't know that we even really do that i mean you, yeah. you sometimes will say you'll sometimes say the that the problem like, is that like everything on this show it's inconsistent <laughs> like, exactly it's I very inconsistent i don't and remember I think that the, when to do it and when not to do it yeah and there's a chance that as a matter of fact yeah i, mean, I, I don't know i i feel I, I feel like i'm coarse and being i'm becoming too coarse actually on this show which is something that i i want to work on um like i've realized today like i didn't want to say the f word but already i think twice in the intro today i said effin like that is the worst that is the stupidest thing to say. Like, you can't talk without saying the F word, but then you don't want to say the F word, so you say effing. Like, that's I'm really embarrased about saying about, that twice what in about 30 seconds friggin'. Today. Yeah, I don't like that what either. About, what about dog gam father mucker? Um, what about I don't think that I can do that. What about Sonova Beach? I remember my friend Tony told <laughs> was that he just thought that's the funniest joke. He's like, you know where I'm going? You know where I'm going for a vacation? Uh, Sonova Beach. Oh, that sounds like a different thing. Yeah. Got it. Anyway. Anyway, um, so uh, having said all that, like I do think that even that tends to be a little bit inconsistent. I don't. I mean, I think that maybe what I mean, I, if we want to kind of respect this to a degree that we're comfortable respecting it, you know, if there is, you know, in your intro, you lay out for the most part what we're going to be talking about yeah. as far as the big topics are concerned. Right. So, like you say, maybe let's say we're, let's take us back to yesterday's intro where you say we're going to um, talk about. I actually uh, played the Bill Cosby. That's joke, right. You even which, played the joke yeah. in the intro. So I mean yeah. I think that's that's a that's a signifier. Yeah. I mean Jay says she doesn't even like the word. I think it's a little bit impractical. Like I don't think we're we'll saying by the way we're going to be talking about the R word or we're going to be. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be a little bit of a, um, an awkward and not you know things are important. I'm not saying the most important thing in the world is that we keep this podcast unawkward because. Hmm. I'd be out of a job, obviously. Well, you, but you would have a new job going back and re-editing every episode of the show that's ever happened. <laughs> to right, try exactly. To remove. It's called an awkward, awkwardectomy, yeah, where uh, you go yes. in and surgically remove the awkwardness. Exactly, exactly. But but I know what you're trying to do. I was just trying I to make it. that an awkward I get it. moment. I get jokes. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think what I think you've raised a you've raised a good point, and I think I've talked about this in a delicate fashion which is why now i'll undo all of that goodwill hopefully that we've engendered with the listeners i guess i would say well i don't know i don't really i shouldn't get into that here's what i would say to anybody in our listening audience who has things that are triggers for them my my hope would be that you love yourself wherever you are in the process and that you give yourself a lot of room to feel whatever you're feeling but i would also hope for everybody that there would be a day that the hearing of a word would not sort of floor them or words because it's it makes me really sad to think about a word having that much power over somebody it makes me feel like there might be hopefully a time down the road where it's not that's not the case for somebody does that make any sense yeah absolutely and and again if, it, if it's a single word that that 
is troubling. That is a um, if one word can um, can be that damaging to you. I think that you are no matter what that word is, whether it's this or another word. I think that is something that you struggle with personally. And while we want to accommodate as many people as possible, I don't think we can accommodate um, you know any word that could be a trigger for somebody. And I, I don't think it's that practical. And I don't want to get on a high horse about it or kind of be like, and that's why all the you know because there's a lot of people who just this this trigger warning thing is just kind of like just seen as being the utmost kind of PC um, political correctness run amok, mm-hmm. you might say. I've heard of that. Um, and so, you know, and I, I want to be delicate, too. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but it's definitely something that this person, this person not being Jay, but this person being whatever the word is and whoever it is, is something that they are struggling with and I think needs to kind of continue to work on. And like you say, I, I wish that person the best to kind of get to a, a, a place where a single word is not enough to... Um, to set somebody off, and then, but again, to make it a concession or to concede a little bit is, you know, let's just try to be as much as possible. If we think the conversation is going to move in that direction, try to get it out there in the beginning of the show in yeah. some way and just kind of say, you know, we're going to be talking about Bill Cosby today. And if you want to throw on the aside, and for those who, you know, find those kinds of conversations um, uh, tough to listen to, you know, fair warning or something, I think I could see that. Maybe being we very, just call um, the whole thing a Cosby alert. No, God, no matter what, do that. like yes, even exactly. like twenty years from now, like hey, uh, just a Cosby alert on this show. <laughs> it both shames Bill Cosby in a way that I feel is fair and <laughs> gives us something funnier to say than uh, trigger warning alert. Right, 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 right. Um, so no, maybe that, we'll just I'm, maybe we'll just try that. to institute the Cosby alert, the Cosby mm-hmm. alert system, kind of like an Amber okay. alert. Everybody will get a text on their phone. Hey, this is Amy from Memphis, Tennessee, and it was really hard to choose which was my absolute favorite Andrew moment, because I pretty much like Andrew a whole lot, but I've decided I am going to go with the episode that made me a 10 was when Andrew got into a bar fight, and he is completely confused at why this random bartender is so angry at him and it really shows his very endearing awkward nature and still concern at not trying to upset anyone which is what he normally does but he he's really confused because he can't see why someone is not like him and not being considerate and nice and he's going through all of these steps to try to make you know, everything easy for all of his friends as well. So that will be what I put forth as my favorite Andrew moment because it's the moment that made me a 10. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. What, what did you do this weekend? Well, yeah, do you... I mean, now I worry that maybe this... Well, we'll, we'll, I'll make it quick. But um, I kind of got into a fight with a bartender this weekend, whoa, and it whoa, seems like... Now, wait, let me explain. Wait, let me explain. Wait, hold on. Not a Luke Burbank fight. Not a... <laughs> <laughs> not a not not a physical fight. I'm so sad that that's a thing. By the way, <laughs> hey, can you say a Luke Burbank fight? Oh, it wasn't a Luke Burbank fight. Can you say yeah, no. can you say that line one more time? Though, just say like we're going to just kind of pretend like this is the first time I'm hearing it. And so, hey, what happened to you this weekend? Um, well, I kind of got into uh, a fight with a bartender, uh, sort of. Really? To be a hundred percent. Again, always, if you can, and I'll, this is just a pro tip, Andrew, if you have a sound effect like record scratch, record scratch uh-huh. try to have it so that it's at the 
it's at the end of a 10 second death uh-huh. so that when yeah. you're trying to do to go for a timing uh-huh. it'll fire well after the joke would have been even possibly funny exactly because the one thing that is not important with um comedy is timing timing um <laughs> What what bar? Let's please. Let's, so okay, so there are no details. And I, I'm, I'm going to actually tell you the name of the bar. I'm more than willing to mm-hmm. throw out everything else we have planned for the show. Well, I'm not sure if I don't know how much is here or not. We'll just play it by ear. But let's talk about this. Maybe you'll cut the whole thing out of the podcast. But I'm going to I'm going to tell you the 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 um, I'm going to give you the name of the bar. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. And this okay. is why it really breaks my heart. This okay. is why it really breaks my heart um, because I love this bar. I've mentioned it before on the show. I've been here twice before. Once at a once we uh, met our friend Angie, who you know, um, Angie at the bar, and she lives downtown. And it's a downtown bar called Frank's. Or is it called Hank's? I get confused because there's a bar in my neighborhood called Frank and Hank that I also love. But then there's a there's a bar downtown. Hold on. Let me just double check. Hank's downtown Los Angeles. I want to make sure I got the right name. Yeah. Yeah, it's Hank's. And it's cool. It's connected to a little old hotel. So the hotel, the hotel seems like very kind of upstanding and everything. But then the bar that it's connected to is a really, really dark bar. Um, one time I went there, the uh, second time I went there was in the middle of the afternoon. It was a perfect afternoon bar. It was like me, one other patron there, and a really cool bartender, and I put tons of like kind of pop soul songs on the jukebox, oh, wow. and they loved it, and I'm we were looking. talking, and I was reading my book. Jeez. It is one of my I'm, favorite I'm, bars. I'm looking at some of the photos. This looks like just my style. Yes. Yes, it's such a great bar. And so, long, like, not, I don't even think there is any tables. It's just a bar. And then there's tables way in the back, and that's where we were. But anyway, so I go in there. Uh, well, what happened was we were at a party at a friend's house downtown. And, um, and after the party, we were kind of like, oh, what should we do now? Let's grab – there were four of us. So we're like, let's grab another um, – let's grab another drink. I'm like, oh, well, I think Hank's is right around the corner. So I pulled my phone. There it is. And and so Genevieve had been there once before. Our two friends had not. But they're like, okay, yeah, let's go. And I was like, you know, this is my kind of a bar. So it's kind of – you know, it's not – you call it divey. It's not like dirty or anything like that. It's just not like a fancy bar, right? It's just yeah. like one of those pitch black kind of no frills kind of bars with a good jukebox. And so I'm just like – and they're like, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Whatever. And there's not much time. I didn't even know what time it was, honestly. But we'll just have a quick drink. So I go there. They take a, the the three the three women I'm with, including Genevieve, take a um, take a table in the back. I'm like, I'll get us some drinks. So then I wait at the bar, and it's the type of bar, again, it's downtown, so you understand, and I've heard other bartenders there kind of complaining about, like, kind of the clientele issue at night. Sometimes you get some weird people who are going to kind of give you a hard time. And I think that they've been really scrutinized by the liquor um, whoever enforces liquor, uh, like, uh, codes and stuff like that because of th- I, I've overheard like the bartender talk about how she had to be really really careful in the past about um, you know IDs right. and um, you know last call and stuff like that and that was the other bartender a long time ago I heard talking about that so anyway I'm waiting in line there and there's just one guy in front of me and he's talking to the bartender and I can't hear what he's saying but the bartender just has she seems so annoyed and I'm automatically on her side you know she's going on mm-hmm. talking to him about um She's like, I can't do that. I can't do that. Like, you know, there's all these codes, blah, blah, blah. And I don't even know what she's talking about. And then this guy kind of to my right, kind of who's sitting on a stool, turns to me. He's like, he's like, yeah, you're going to be waiting long, huh? He's like, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. This guy's from out of town. He's, he wants a specifically stiff, like uh, he was ordering a Long Island iced tea or something. He was asking <laughs> for it specifically stiff. And I, I don't know what it was. And I was like, oh. So he was a real so, drink snob. I guess so. Yeah, like so. It was unclear uh, what was going on. Do you guys make an adios, motherfucker? 
<laughs> what do you and have so, in a sex on the beach? Yeah. <laughs> And so I'm automatically assuming that this guy is probably being kind of obnoxious. He's, you know, it's kind of late. He's probably well into his cups and probably just being dumb. And just like, you just listen to the bartender. I, you know, I grew up in a family where you listen to the bartender. Sure. And, uh, and so anyway, so I'm kind of like, ugh, poor woman. And I kind of hear her going on and on about, anyway, she ends up getting him his drink. And that's why I learned that was a Long Island iced tea that they were debating the whole time, which I thought was kind of funny. And then she comes back to him though. And then the conversation kind of continues to go on. And now I'm getting a little bit irritated, but I'm not saying anything because now she's continuing to like kind of argue with him a little bit I'm like, yeah, well. now describe um, this bartender for me what is her age she is probably in her i want to say 40s but maybe she's actually maybe she's closer to my age but mm-hmm. she looks kind of as uh the expression goes road hard and put away wet mm-hmm. is that the expression yeah um you Not know she's definitely... anymore by the way with humans <laughs> <laughs> right, turns out. Um, but uh, actually, as I say that phrase, it sounds so caustic. I wonder is is that a really should I not use that phrase anymore? Is that... Um, I I don't think it's. I, I think you know. No, I, I think it's fine. She looks, you know, she looks like somebody who's yeah. been dealing with yeah. kind of shitty bar patrons for a long time and doing it. But again, like, I like people like that. And again, I respect the people who have to, like, kind of work these shifts as one bartender in a right. relatively busy bar. Like, I always cut bartenders the benefit of the doubt when it comes Absolutely. to that stuff. Um, and I'm also, as you know, well, we'll get to that part. Anyway, um, so anyway, so there you continue their little conversation for a little bit. And then, and then finally she turns to me, she's like, she says to the guy, she's like, I got to take care of this guy behind you. So I'm like, Hey there. And so I order, um, a few drinks. Let's see. I get a vodka tonic. I get a, uh, a a vodka martini. I get a club soda. Those are the three things that I order. I haven't ordered for myself yet. Those are for the, the friends I'm with. And, um, and then. Then I put in my own order, which was a shot and a beer. And she's like, oh, wait, hold on a second. I thought this was just one. I need to see everybody's ID. Everybody's ID here you're with. And she's like kind of yelling at me already as if I've told her that I'm not going to bring the IDs. Right. I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'll, 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 I'll go get them and, and they'll bring them. And she's like, no, 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 you don't go get them. I need to see the people. They need to bring them up here. And I was like, yes. I will go get them, <laughs> as in my friends, and they will show you their IDs. Well, coincidentally, one of our friends actually didn't have their ID, but it didn't Ooh. matter. They were way in the back. It did, I knew that that wasn't even an issue. I was ordered for the amount of drinks I was ordering. One of them was a club soda. So it worked out fine anyway. You know what I mean? So like right. Genevieve and our other friend Jessica went up there and showed their IDs. Anyway. Right. So it's no big deal. I'm a little bit irritated, but I kind of, you know, I just kind of like shut it down. I didn't like yell at her. I, but, you know, it's a little bit of an edge in my voice. Like, yes, I understand. Yes. I will get that for you. Like, she was just automatically kind yeah. of yelling at me for stuff that I, I hadn't even done yet. And then so I'm like, okay, so I get all the drinks. Now, it's apparently incredibly hard, especially if you've had a few to carry a uh, martini glass that is filled all the way to the brim. Uh, um, so I kind of... Impossible sl- to do anyway. Who invented yes. that? That was like the know. Marquis de Sade invented for some reason. He was like, and for my final trick, drink out of and don't spill out of this thing. So, uh, so that was a little embarrassing. So I you know, carry it back to them, and I go back to to uh, get my drink. I haven't placed my drink order yet. Um, I give her my. I leave my card and my ID on the table. I take the drinks back there, and then I have the I have the, the my friends come up to the bar with their IDs, and then they show their IDs, and then she's taking care of somebody else, and I'm waiting again with a group and then of she, people. Um, now, yeah, now my two friends are standing there. Right. Oh, was she serving a group? No, I just mean, me? like, do you have, like, is everyone, are you there with a cluster of other people? Well, it's me and Genevieve yeah. and our friend Jessica, and we're waiting to show our IDs, and yeah. I'm waiting to put in my final order. So then she comes back, she checks our IDs, and she's like, okay, what did you want? And, and I tell her, and then she apologizes. She's like, I'm sorry. 
I'm multitasking, but I didn't hear her say multitasking, so I thought she was apologizing for being a bit of a being a bit of a bee, mm-hmm. if you will. Yes. And that's exactly what I described to um, the, the, the my friends when I went back. I'm like, the bartender is being a bit of a bee, <laughs> and we need to just get the IDs out, like whatever. Like, um, and so anyway, she she wasn't apologizing for being a bee, though. She was apologizing for you know the making me wait for a second. So yeah. I appreciated that. I was like, oh yeah, no problem. I said, no problem. Um, and the uh, I understand you've got to be careful. Sometimes in these cases, I've had this a few times where somebody is kind of they're 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 a little out of line because they're having a hard night or whatever. And then if you don't respond with like a, aggression back at them, they'll sort of apologize, and you can end up being the best of friends. Like mm-hmm. these things can sometimes turn around in a surprise. Absolutely, way. I was certainly not in some place where I was like really bent out of shape. I thought yeah. she was being a little bit of aggressive with me, but I didn't care. Like we showed the ideas, we're on the up and up. She's got my card. I plan on drinking there. I like this bar. And again, I don't mind a bartender who's a little bit tough. You mm-hmm. got to be a little bit tough when you're when you're bartending in the kind of bars I like. Right. You know what I mean? Right. No problem. But don't treat me like I'm like already guilty of something. Right. And she was just kind of snapping at me. So, anyway, so I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. You got to be careful, which was probably a weird thing to say because she was apologizing for being late, not for um, checking her ID. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I get my drinks. I go back. Um, I put five bucks in the uh, jukebox. I never, ever hear my songs. Not her fault. And Side note. But you were, um, the good news is you were able to listen to free Norwegian death metal. Right. No, actually, the luckily, like the, whoever was the whoever had put a bunch of money in the jukebox had put in stuff I would have put in anyway. It was cool, like '90s hip hop and stuff. It was great. Um, having a fine old time. Sorry if you heard me burp a little bit there. Um, that was also a sidebar. And um, and then I go back up for um, for another uh, for another round. And she says, uh, and so I'm waiting there, and I'm just like, hey there, um, can I get you know uh, another beer and another whatever? She's like. Last call means last call. And that was 15 minutes ago. Oh, geez. And I just look at her like, then I guess I'll settle up. <laughs> and so she brings the card to me and she's like yelling at me as if like, like we're way in the back. Like, clearly I didn't hear last call. Like, why would you just not say, sorry, hun, last call was 15 minutes ago. Like, what, why would, what was her instinct that she was just yelling at me about everything? And I don't know if I'm, I feel like I'm doing a bad job of explaining how awful this woman was. No, be. no, I'm getting a sense. And so you, you would have seen red or certainly old Luke. You would have uh, seen red. No, I don't know how you I probably would have yeah. still <laughs> I mean, the difference is I, I wouldn't have was... headbutted her. <laughs> yeah. She was have being assaulted her. <laughs> she was being horrible. The only thing that kind of redeemed her to skip ahead a little bit was I saw her showing a little girl how to fly a kite with a fishing rod, and oh, that well, did kind of warm did my heart a, a little she have bit. A cat on her shoulder. <laughs> yeah, she had a cat. It was the whole thing. No, anyway. So, um, so I'm just like, oh my god, this woman is awful. She's horrible. And I'm also like, you know what? We had one round of drinks. Um, we had three, uh, four drinks amongst us because I had a, a shot and a beer. So she poured us four drinks. She did mix a dirty martini, which is a little bit more work than usual. But I'm like, this woman has been awful. From the moment I got here and waited forever while she continued to debate with some guy. And now I'm realizing that it was probably her that was the right. problem and not him. Um, from the way she treated me and started yelling at me as if I was going to try to not show IDs to yelling at me for not hearing last call. I'm just like, this if you can beep that if you want um 
And I've already I, used the F word about six times this show. <laughs> okay, good. I haven't been listening to your part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to tip her. I, and I think to myself, and you know me and just, mm-hmm. I have to be a little bit defensive here. I am an over tipper. Yes. I always tip on the tax and I always tip over, especially at a bar. Cause I feel like, well, 20% is kind of like not usually enough because drinks usually aren't that expensive, especially in a place like this. And I really appreciate good service. And 99 times out of a hundred, I feel like the bartenders I get are always really cool people who have really hard jobs on a Saturday night. And I, say that in all earnestness but i'm like i'm not gonna like tip somebody who's just like yelled at me all night for doing nothing so i'm like but i'm not gonna leave it blank i you know me i have to let it be clear that um i don't usually it's not an accident so yeah so i leave her 50 so i write on the thing so i she puts my credit card and the two receipts on the bar I grab them, but I know that I'm going to leave a shitty tip. So I grab them and I turn around to the little kind of bar right behind me, you know, just a little thing jutting out of the wall yeah. along the along the perimeter of the bar. And so I write 50 cents. It was like 28 bucks or something. So I write like 28.50. And then just to be very clear that, again, it wasn't a mistake, I draw the frowny face. I've talked about that. I've done that once before in my life where I had to like really leave a shitty tip, but left a frowny face so that they know that like I am unhappy <laughs> I with feel like the that experience that I've had here. Could be you could read that a couple of different ways though. You could read it as um I'm sorry I don't have any money. <laughs> that is true. Or I would that tip you true. more. Yeah, you're right. But anyway, um, you should I have think had she a knew. picture you should have drawn a picture of just like a horse that was just like so had been ridden so hard and yet was in its stall but just dripping sweat this is what your life is doing to you i actually actually i drew a native american with a single tear yeah. it was really it took me a long time i think that's what pissed her off yeah. um no anyway so i so i turn onto the little bar behind me i write the 50 cents but then i'm like before i put this on the counter I want you to go get to our everybody table. Everybody ready to leave. I exactly. So you I'm still to. holding both receipts. I'm still holding both receipts, and I take about mm, ten steps, top seven steps to like the other table in the back is in a slightly kind of it feels like a different room. It's a slightly different room, which is why we didn't hear last call. BT Dubs. Um, Are you so, familiar, by the way, with what last call means, Andrew? I actually am not. I'm what. Um, so anyway, so I take like the seven steps and I'm kind of, I'm holding both receipts. I'm about to put them on the bar, but I say to the gang, I'm just like, hey guys, we, um, just so you know, this has been a really bad experience for me. I kind of indicated that to you guys before. I'm leaving like a 50 cent tip. We got to get out of here. Get ready to move. I'm about to put this on the bar. Um, so even when I'm being a dick, I'm still overly cautious about it. So anyway, so I'm, and then all of a sudden, as I'm saying this, she's like, excuse me. She's come out from behind the bar and she's now standing behind me with her arms on her hips, like yelling at me. She's like, I need that receipt that is not for you that is my re- like she's yelling at me like an insane person which i think that's where the story is going i think she's an insane person and i'm like and i turn around i'm holding both receipts i'm like and i'm going to put them on the bar in a second i'm gathering my friends is that okay i've got them right here and she just like kind of turns around and storms out and then i turn back to the table i'm like guys this is what i'm dealing with i'm leaving a 50 cent tip and then i don't know if she overheard me say that or if she just got really pissed at me kind of like throwing it back in her face but she came back up to me and said no i'm taking them now and she she ripped them out of my oh hands. Oh, my God. She rips it out of my hands. Our one friend is already outside waiting for me to smoke a cigarette. So I grab Jessica 
and Genevieve, our other two friends, um, and they're just like, they see this, and I'm just like, I got to go. So they're gathering up their stuff. I kind of hightail it out there to make sure that our other friend is Now, uh, when the lady grabs, when the lady grabs um, the uh, receipt from your hand, does she look at it to see that you've tipped her 50 cents? She must have. She must have. I don't know. It all happened really fast. And also, I was pretty drunk. Um, she grabbed it really. But no, I wasn't like slob. You know right. what I mean? Right. I wasn't like out of my wits or anything. Sure. I'd had several beers at the party and a shot at the party, which was also embarrassing um, because I was kind of like. It was weird. I really felt like an alcoholic. Nobody was really doing shots, but I was just kind of like, can I do a shot of your whiskey? Um, but anyway, uh, so so yeah, I didn't see. She just kind of grabs out of my hands and turns around and storms back and like kind of behind the bar. And I'm just like, we got to get out of here. So then I turn so I can go outside. And then um, and then so I kind of get out of there before Genevieve and Jessica. And then like I'm outside. If I'm a friend, like, let's get out of here. And then I guess as I'm leaving, as you know, I'm already out of earshot. But apparently like Genevieve said that she was just like screaming to the entire bar, just like going insane about me, screaming. So I'm like, I'm just going to avoid it. I don't know if she actually I could check right now, see if that actually if she ended up <laughs> avoiding the entire thing. Well, or, that would be kind of awesome because then I guess you get free drinks. I guess, but like, I don't want free drinks. I want to pay for <laughs> my products and services at a bar that I love. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the whole thing has just been horrible for me. Like, it's so weird. The last time I was in there, which is like I say, like I, was, I had a day off of work and I just went in there for like a beer after my pastrami sandwich and it was so perfect and the bartender was so awesome and we we're talking and everything and like, I love this place so much and I want, I want more places in the world like this. I want to support it. I don't want to get free drinks via horrible serve. Oh, wait, I didn't. Oh, yeah. There was one more thing to kind of tell you as I as I kind of went out of the bar. I'm kind of storming out of there before Genevieve and our other friend. And as I'm walking out, she's kind of yelling about she's like, oh, that's right. She yells at me. It's not my fault. It's last call. And I just <laughs> I, I'm now I'm just walking past. And I'm just like, it's not about last call. This whole thing was awful. This whole thing was horrible. <laughs> Did you start yelling Attica? <laughs> I should have. I basically did. I just started yelling, this whole thing was awful. This whole thing was horrible. And I just like ran, just kind of like ran out of the bar. And I just, I don't know. It's really, it re- and you know what? Here's the thing that drove me the most crazy is it, it re- I feel like it was a horrible way to end the night for um for the gang and Genevieve like the next day I was kind of saying how horrible I felt I was also hung over the next day and I was just like so kind of just I felt so horrible like I should have just been like you know what she's a crazy person who's got some tone issues and what I should have done was left her two or three bucks Maybe a little bit less than she deserved. Let's see. What's twenty eight? It's a twenty eight. Um, so she dollar tip. It. So I should have. So I, well, oh no, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Like let's say it was twenty eight bucks. I should have left her like. Ideal. Usually, I would leave like six bucks for that. You know, yeah. like twenty percent. Maybe I should have left her four bucks and left her a frowny face or something. You right. know what I mean? Or not even that. Like I just shouldn't have done anything. I should have just been like, well, we had to leave anyway. Like by kind of confronting her and leaving her a fifty cent tip. Like it didn't. I didn't get anything out of it other than I felt like I kind of ruined the night for everybody else. And I don't think they would say that. But I just also felt like I'm not this confrontational guy. Yet I keep on finding myself in these kind of confrontational situations. And at a certain point, I either got to admit that I'm a confrontational guy or I, I need one to of the adjust my behavior I Christy have you ever been in a fight with a bartender not with a bartender no have you ever been in a bar fight well I would say no <laughs> but in college what I would do is when people would make me mad is I would get my little spunky mm-hmm. friend riled up and have her attack 
Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I like that. That's like delegation. Yeah. That's a good way to uh, avoid going to jail yourself well, while see, putting I also, your friends in. <laughs> I also don't drink <laughs> enough to mm. make stupid choices. Mm. So. I don't even have to drink to make stupid choices. Yeah. Right. I mean, I. Did you ever get into a bar one fight? Of the benefits. Not that I remember. Yeah, I think I had a few close calls, but nothing too crazy. We'll save that yeah. for a different show. This is about Andrew. Yeah. Let's, we're here, we're gathered here today to talk about Andrew. Uh, so, do you, can I share, can I share yes, my, like, moment, uh, my Andrew moment? It's not really a clip. Um, so, as the listeners to this show probably know, mm-hmm. you and I, we are, uh, we are engaged to be married, <laughs> and that uh, happened at the TBTL picnic this last summer. Um, I engaged you <laughs> uh, during a Q and A portion of the uh, of the picnic, but well beforehand, you had no idea, right? Right, uh, and beforehand, I. It always bothers me when it comes to proposals and, like, people pick out the ring together and everybody knows. And I, I don't know why, but it, it, like, takes the fun out of it, kind of. Okay. Uh, That's always kind of been my mindset. Like, I can understand why people talk it through because, obviously, getting married is a pretty big thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'd had some discussions about it, but I'm getting off the rails. What I'm trying to say <laughs> is I wanted it to be a surprise. So I made a point of not telling anybody, but, obviously, I wanted... You know, I had to talk to Luke and Andrew about it because I wanted to do it in some way, like do it during the show or have them play a clip of it or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to um, I, I I knew enough from hanging out with you that trying to email Luke would be futile yeah. at best. <laughs> so I reached out to I reached out to Andrew and found out afterwards. So in our conversation about it, one time he came back to me and he said, so, okay, after I talked to him, he said, I have to ask, like, are you sure that Christy's okay with this? Because <laughs> I've been very outspoken against public proposals for a really long time. And you didn't listen. And so this you would be no going idea. against everything that I knew or whatever. And I mean, as soon as he said that, I was mortified. <laughs> I was already really uncomfortable reaching out to him and talking to yeah. him because I get like whatever kind of weird mm-hmm. and like awkward and. I don't know. I, you know, he's a cool guy. Yeah. Like he's Andrew Walsh. He's cool guy. Yeah. Cool, cool guy. guy Drew. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what. Uh, that's what we call him around the house. Right. I mean, that's the name tag that we have on the cardboard cutout of him that we have in our bedroom. <laughs> but um, so I already felt kind of uncomfortable reaching out to him, and then when he said that and w- mentioned that he was apparently this is like a known thing <laughs> that he's very against public proposals and. I didn't even know that that was a thing that people were against or had issue with potentially until I started thinking about it. Like after he pointed that out, I was like, oh, my God, that is actually putting the other person in a lot of pressure. Like I didn't even really think about that uh, fully until he pointed it out. But, you know, I anyway, I, it ended up working out. You said mm-hmm. yes, which is great. Well, Didn't you said say, you sure. said sure. Actually, <laughs> is is what you said. But uh, you know, I mean, um, had uh, had I known that prior to 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 reaching out, I, maybe I would have never even reached out. 
but uh but you know andrew um andrew you know talked to luke and we worked with phyllis and kind of got the whole thing set up i think andrew kind of wanted to take a few steps back and maybe wash his hands of the situation (laughs) because he is you know as he said very outspoken against it um but uh but you know andrew kind of took a part in that moment in our relationship and like this community that they've built that's a part of our life and the reason that we met and you know, uh, this thing that we do together. And I don't know. I just, uh, I think that's pretty awesome. So thank you, Andrew, for contributing to this like super rad community that uh, exists par- partially because of you. Yeah. Well, I, I love Andrew because just all these clips kind of make the point of that. He's unintentionally funny. <laughs> Like the dropping, I call it That's kind the of gobble, insult, the gobbler. Um, no, because yeah. also he's super funny yeah. on purpose. Yeah. Or the clip from Anne where someone recognizes him for the first time in front of his parents and he just does not know what to do and he's mortified. <laughs> like just everything about him. I just, I just love everything about him. He would be. Yeah, he's like a really good friend, a great co-host. So, yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate him. And I know that there's a lot of talk like, oh, Jen versus Andrew. And I think that the show is very different. And I don't think that the two should be compared in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's apples and oranges. Yes. Well, thanks, Andrew. Yeah, and You're happy awesome. anniversary. Happy, happy Andrew Day. Happy Andrew Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Christy. Well, I guess let's uh, do some housekeeping and wrap this baby up. Take her okay. in for a landing, all as right. <laughs> uh, a pilot would say, I guess. <laughs> or somebody that was landing a vehicle of some kind. Some kind, yeah. Might say something like that. Um, <laughs> let's see. Do some archiving. Buy some stickers. <laughs> yeah, we do. We still have some stickers for sale. Um, they're on there. Yep. At, at the website, littleredbandwagon.com. Little you can do some archiving. And can can we just, I mean, can we just explain really quick the whole archiving thing? Because I think that people don't necessarily understand what okay. it is. All that we're trying to do is we're trying to – archiving is kind of a bad word for it. I think yeah. that that's part of the reason that it confuses people. That's just what we started calling it, and the name stuck. Uh, we're trying to build an archive eventually. I mean, the archive already exists. These shows are available at tbtl.net. You right. can go there. You can click through the stuff. It's not searchable. It's difficult to find the shows you're looking for unless mm-hmm. you know the date they aired or there's the show number. So it's there's a little bit of challenge there. Basically, what we're wanting to do is they have this. I mean, they have over two thousand shows. We want to we want to catalog those shows. Yeah. So catalog would be a better idea. And so what? Better- name for it what you're having people do really is they get like assigned a week of shows mm-hmm. and they go through they listen to those five shows for the week and mm-hmm. then they fill out a little form that we made online with mm-hmm. the show title what's the synopsis what are some keywords what are segments that they did yeah. all that kind of stuff they type all those things in and it, it right now it's just all dumping into this spreadsheet. And the idea being that once you guys are done, we'll have this massive spreadsheet that we can kind of clean up. We can plug it into maybe like a TBTL wiki page or, you know, whatever, give it to infinite guest and they could 
use it to use the information to fix their website. I mean, we could do there's lots of database that's searchable. Yeah, I mean, right now to do this show, we use yeah we use the sheet a lot. Um, when I was planning for the quiz for the 2000 show, I used that sheet primarily. So Yeah. yeah, it's already a great resource. People ask for what show. What show was it that this happened? And if I see it in time, I I can answer, mm-hmm. and usually give can give the link because that's all in the spreadsheet. Yeah, it's pretty great. I'm very proud of it. It's a lot of work for everyone involved. <laughs> so when you when you say sign up for archiving, all you really mean is reach out to Christy, send her an email or message or whatever, hit her up on Facebook or something, let her know that you want to do it. She'll assign you a week of shows. You listen to them at mm-hmm. your leisure. Uh, while being, you know, possibly publicly shamed by you for working too slowly. Um, and then, um, I don't shame people anymore, but I yeah. do repo their weeks. I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. So reach out to Christy if you want to do that. Is there any other news or housekeeping or anything? Or are we ready to so. do the I'm ready? So, uh, as always, guys, you can check out all of the previous shows that we've done you can check out links to you know like i said we're going to put links to all of these clips that we played uh right on our website at littleredbandwagon.net of course you can find us on facebook on the stens page or just search for little red bandwagon we're on twitter too we got drew mcfrizz is at drew mcfrizz (laughs) at kissy eyes at rl pape i am at dadstronaut that's probably the only one that they need to remember, I'm guessing, yeah. right? You're the only one who actually tweets. That's yeah. the funny part. <laughs> Come talk to me, guys. I like to talk to people on Twitter. Mm-hmm. At Dastronaut. Uh, and then, of course, uh, at Meredith underscore Mayhan. Uh, and we are the show Twitter at LRB Podcast. You can email us, littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Or you can send us a voicemail at 802-432-TBTL. That's... And if you'd like to come up with a jingle for our number, go ahead. We could just rip off the last four. (laughs) We could just rip off the last half of pretty much every one that they've sent in and make our own first half. That's true. That's (laughs) true. I like this. It's the same uh, 8285 number. They got a 206, which is pretty cool. All right. Well, Christy, until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Andrew. You can do this podcast by yourself.